0: Welcome to Future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, and together, we'll explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Future of XYZ is presented in collaboration with Rhode Island PBS. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Future of XYZ. Uh, our guest this week is Lorena Muka, and Lorena is uh, the founder and CEO of the Educated Choices Program, which is a multinational, academic-based 501c3IE non-profit organization, which provides science-based education free of charge uh, to 45 countries, 3 million people, et cetera, around the world uh, mm-hmm. on the impact of their food choices, um, both from a personal and planetary perspective. Lorena, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about the future of nutrition. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, the, the pleasure is mine, and I can't wait to share more uh, during this podcast. I can't wait either because I think nutrition, as I think about it, um, you know, we're, we're recording this earlier, but this is going to air the day after Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day, you know, with its chocolates and its candy hearts and its fondue and rich, sugary, fatty foods, you know, we think about that as nutrition. Um, but actually I feel like nutrition is more of an umbrella for other things. So maybe you can start by uh, defining nutrition in the context of how you see it and, and, and of this conversation for us.
1: Yes. Um, nutrition encompasses really every day of our life. We have to eat, and what we eat affects not, not just our health, our body, but also uh, everything around us, including uh, the environment and every living being uh, that lives on this planet. So nutrition is really part of everything we do, and uh, we are pretty much disconnected from that notion. So it'll be great to try to bring it back to the conversation.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I think you founded the Educate Choices program in what, 2015? Is that correct? End of 2015, correct. So almost 10 years that you've been running it, and your your objective was to educate individuals on the personal and collective impact of their food choices. Why is this important to you? Um, my background is in zoology.
1: And uh, working with animals, I realized that um, the cultural differences make us look at them in different ways. Why we eat some, why we love others, why we wear others, etc. cetera. So it was always an ethical question for me. But then when I went to graduate school, um, I focused on sustainability. I worked in the Amazon jungle for a little bit, and that's where I got to see firsthand deforestation. And it turns out that one of the leading causes of deforestation is what we eat, too, uh, mostly animal products. So um, putting, you know, both together, I realized ah, I found the passion in my life. And later on, um, like most people, I got to see firsthand what uh, what we eat does to the health of our loved ones. Both of my parents have heart disease. Uh, and it turns out that it's one of the biggest, uh, um, well, it's the top one cause of death in the U.S., actually in the world. And it's it highly contributed by the way we eat. So um, just putting everything together, I said, ah, this is great. We can tackle so many uh, issues with, with just the issue of nutrition. And I decided, well, everyone should know about it because I didn't
0: know about it either. I think what's interesting to me is I, I go back to, you know, we think about food and food and nutrition. I mean, I think that's the common, the common understanding. But. What you just alluded to in terms of how our food is produced, and obviously how it's brought to us, their labor practices involved, their agricultural processes involved. There's a lot of finance involved. But there's also, like the adjacent businesses, the medical community, the supplemental community, the exercise community, I mean, environmental causes, climate causes. I mean, actually, nutrition is kind of an umbrella. um. How do you address that? Like, talk to us a little bit about like when you're doing nutritional education, how do you how do you tackle so much?
1: Yes, we mainly call it food food edu- education or food literacy um, because our program mainly focuses on how our food affects human and planetary health. Um, we try to stay away from any medical advice or supplement um, advice on supplements or even Exercise, of course, we mentioned that exercise is good, but we don't pinpoint what's good, what's not good or anything like that. So we mainly go into the majors uh, and try to avoid the minors. We, we leave uh, specifically to the experts in every area.
0: That that makes absolute sense. And and so when you're thinking about food systems and educating, I mean, it's quite a big jump in some ways to go from what I would call the individual choice to what it does to your you personally. You mentioned your parents with heart disease and it being the number one killer of people around the world, which is largely related to sedentary lifestyles and the things that we consume into our bodies as far as nutrition goes, food. But I mean, so you have the personal impact of our choices and then you have the planetary and that's quite a big leap. I mean, it's a it, it feels like it's quite far apart from most average people. Um, what are some of the tools that you deploy to, to kind of open people's eyes, if you will, and, and start changing behaviors? Uh, that's a great question. Well, first of all, because we are an education program,
1: we focus on what education is, right? And education is really um, the best tool that we have to produce change, to bring critical thinking, discussion to learn what's right and what's wrong. Not most, not from an ethical perspective, but from a factual perspective, what's true and what's false. And the benefits of education are really uncontested, right? They are uh, intergenerational. It's something that we can pass down. It changes communities. It changes lives. It saves lives. So um, education helps you make connections. And what that's what we do. Well, uh, we uh, show kids, uh, mostly we focus on kids 12 and up all the way to 99 or more, and uh, we help them make the connections of how their food is produced, um, how it's transported, how it's packaged, how it's sold until it arrives to the table. And then, you know, once we consume it, that's the that individual part, right? Um, but all the other aspects and processes of food production, uh, affect different things at a time. And we try to make those connections. And that's why our curriculum is so, uh, vast there's no way we could cover this with one presentation. So, so far we offer um, a dozen or more presentations and they focus
0: individually on each subject that we try to help make the connection. So speaking of those connections, I mean, the current state of our food system, um, I want to talk, I want to give you a chance to talk about the current state of our food system. Um, And again, tying it back to, as you see it, our personal and planetary health. Yes. Um, first of all, the, the current food system is
1: simply not working. It's not sustainable. Um, from our health perspective, we know that it's killing more people than any other thing. Uh, if we talk about food, uh, heart disease is a number one killer. Uh, diabetes is affecting 10% of the population. Um, one in three people die of heart disease just in the US. One in four die of cancer in the US. The second biggest cause of cancer is colon cancer, which is tightly related to the food we eat. And I can go on uh, on and so forth. Obesity, right? Uh, one in four kids in the U.S. Uh, are obese. Actually teenagers is one of five. And I should know that because I have two of those at home, um, not obese, I mean teenagers. <laughs> and uh, from a planetary uh, aspect, it's, it's really heartbreaking um, because. Right now, our current food system, especially animal agriculture, is um, very tied to deforestation, to pollution, um, really putting a strain on, on on the use of natural resources. Uh, global warming and climate change is a big one. Uh, ocean depletion, acidification. Uh, there's so many things that we really can't ignore. Uh, food waste is another one when, you know, we have enough food to feed the whole planet that something is broken there. So um, I could go on and on, but the main thing is that really the food system is not working and we know how to fix it, but we know everyone to be on board.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I mean, these are big, big, big challenges because the what we'll call the food industrial complex, which runs throughout the value chain of of the food business, um, and I spent some time in that food business in multiple different roles. Um it is 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 very complex. And actually next the next episode is uh, for leap years is on the future of complexity. So we talk a lot about systems, so I'm not going to go too far into the systems because um, it's it, we go really deep in it the next time, but it is an interesting prelude um because it, it is that interconnectivity and the the kind of downstream impacts that are perhaps unintended consequences and then what has to step in its place You're originally from Argentina. You spend a lot of time, I know, in Bolivia. And, you know, as I mentioned previously, this work that you're doing has reached people in 45 countries so far. So I feel like you have a pretty good perspective on kind of the global situation. You've spoken a bit already about some of the statistics in the U.S. and globally in terms of health outcomes as a result, as a direct result of the food that we consume. But what are some of like the or how, I guess, more importantly, are global demographic shifts expected to kind of shape the demand and supply of, of, of food and just generally like, let's just call it nutrition to survive, uh, over the course of the next five to 10 years.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um,
0: well, the biggest, I think demographic
1: change is that our population is increasing as we know, and that, uh, we believe that by 2050 thousand and will be close to 10 billion people. So we have to make sure that we have the right foods to feed everyone, um, the right way. Um, urbanization is growing too. More people are, are moving into cities and that changes the way they eat, they eat and also how disconnected they are from farm to table. Um, in urban areas, people eat, tend to eat more processed foods, um, you know, fast foods and stuff like that, which we know increases rate of, of uh, many different diseases. Um, also the fact that small farmers uh, are losing the chance to access firm market values and that's really uh, very sad. We're also moving away from seasonal local product, products, which we know are better for the environment. So there are a lot of key uh, and aspects, for us. and for us, absolutely. So those all key aspects of demographics that are changing, I think, are going to shape uh, the way we look at food, including uh, knowledge. Right, um, based on um, many studies, including the ones that we uh, that we run we can see that the biggest motivator for uh, young people now to change their diet is uh, the environment. Uh, so the more we know about what's going on um, and what they will inherit, I think uh, the bigger the, the, um, the motivation is
0: to, to do the right thing. I think that younger generation, as you said, is is certainly more cognizant. But as you say, urbanization makes most people less and less connected to the land and or, or the nature from which almost all of our food comes. It's an interesting segue, actually, into technology. I mean, I think about like, okay, so meat, there's, you know, an increasing move towards plant based meats, non-dairy milks, um, all these, you know, or non-animal based milks, dairy and and all these kinds of things. There's also obviously the people who um, I'm always amazed because I love food, but who really would just like to take a pill, a uh, you know, this this base age, you know, vision and say, like, that gives me everything I need for my day. What is the role of technology in helping us, you know, either improve nutrition and or solve some of the food systems crisis that you've outlined? I'm a big believer in in technology. I
1: think technology uh, probably what's going to save us, uh, hopefully, um, and help us fake this food system. Um, You mentioned plant-based foods, plant-based foods, as we know, have come a long way. Um, I remember 20 years ago, what a veggie burger used to taste like. Uh, I don't recommend it to anyone, but I know now what a good veggie burger tastes like, right? And that's thanks to technology. Um, Nowadays, uh, we are uh, diving into what is cultivated meat, you know, making meat from um, animal stem cells without having to kill the animal and uh, producing real meat. We're not there yet uh, for everyone to try it, but we know that it's possible. It's been sold in a couple of countries in the world, including us. Uh, We have fermentation-enabled proteins that allow us to mimic some of the the most delicious tastes that we can imagine uh, not using animal products. Also, we're thinking about um, smart irrigation systems in order to save water, uh, circular, circular systems, and zero waste, right? How we can... Maximize resources with technology and minimize waste by, I don't know, changing the packaging or repurposing some of the byproducts, um, trying to recycle more, uh, et cetera. Um, there are so many things that we can do, but definitely I think um, technology is, is a great way, way to do things. Uh, one of the things that I was talking about with uh, young people not too long ago is that they really want to know now where their food comes from. Uh, as opposed to, I think, my generation, which was just enjoying these new processed foods, fast foods, uh, you know, frozen foods. And what they want is some uh, blockchain um, way of, of following that food system because they want to know how the animal was treated,
0: what was given to the animal, um, you know, how in, it in was fish- packaged. etc. too. I mean, what's the, what are the labor practices? Where, is it actually what it says it is? Where yes. was it caught, et cetera? Yeah their carbon footprint. So there are
1: so many things that we can do, but technology has to be uh, part of it. It, it. it wouldn't be possible otherwise.
0: Well, it's interesting. I mean, you're essentially a technology platform because everything you offer is yeah. digital. Um, and, and and through those programs of the last 10 years, I, I you guys claim that 50% of participants have changed their diets for the better. That has had a material impact on their health outcomes in terms of reducing chronic diseases. Um, and and other health issues, but also coming back to this planetary impact of you know, kind of avoiding 2.6 million tons of CO2 carbon dioxide from being 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 emitted through these processes. Um, kind of talk to me, I mean, that's a pretty significant impact that I'm sure you feel extraordinarily proud of. Um, what are kind of three tips, like the top three tips that you could give listeners and viewers today about making better, you know, nutrition choices in the context of this conversation and the work you do?
1: Yeah. So the first thing is to um, learn about it, right? It's very, very hard to make a change where we are not equipped to make changes. So when we uh, present any information to uh, students or community members, we mm-hmm. give them the the whys and then the hows. Uh, having practical tools to put into practice on a daily basis is crucial. Um, I think the second, uh, tip would be, uh, start small. Small steps are truly sustainable. Maybe try, uh, to eat uh, plant-based center food, uh, once a week and move on from there or, or leave one animal off the table. Red meat, for example, which is the more, uh, the most, uh, I guess the, the one that, that gives us the, the biggest footprint and also the one that is worse for our, for our health. Um, mm-hmm. And the third would be um, share the information with others and uh, find a community because we can do better. Uh, We're social animals in many ways, uh, totally. And without community support, it's very hard to do things. Uh, And nowadays technology helps us do that too, right? To connect with each other uh,
0: that have the same interests. So quick, quick, quick response on this one. Um, Over under on organic versus not organic. Um, uh, you know, we don't
1: put too much emphasis on that because most people, uh, in order to eat healthier, the first they have to remove a lot of, uh, replace a lot of, uh, the items that they eat, uh, before they even think about organic nutritionally speaking, I have no problem with non-organic, uh, products, um, planetary speak, uh, sustainability, uh, wise, Yes, because of the pesticides and herbicides, stuff like that. Labor practices, of course. But I think people, in order to eat healthy, they don't necessarily need to eat fully organic. Uh, it's really not accessible to most people. It's still too expensive. And I think that's, that's a step uh, much uh, farther than the road
0: than what we ask in order to start somewhere. You mentioned at the beginning, and it was very clear in preparing for this interview that this conversation of empowering current and future consumers and leaders to help change their mindset and create a better, healthier future for themselves, their families, themselves, you know, their communities, and the world at large is really not only the mission of your organization, but became your personal purpose and passion. I think that's extraordinarily yeah. obvious, Lorena. <laughs> um you you got an undergrad, as you mentioned, zoology at Tech AM, even though you grew up in Argentina, and then you went back to Argentina <laughs> to get a master's, as you said, in sustainable, um, I think sustainable development and ecology. Um, you've you've seen a lot, you've done a lot, you've spoken in a number of places around the world, um, especially as concerns that younger generation and reaching them. Um what do you like how how is it that integrating food related curriculum into educational programs for you know you said the 12, 12 and up but even like younger how how does this help achieve that mission of your organization but also your personal passion
1: ah oh, this is a great question um for us to be able to get into school and provide this information has been um really groundbreaking uh truthfully where the first program uh, of this uh, extent, of this uh, girth, I guess, that is able to get into uh, so many schools throughout the world. And that is because we're filling an niche that was un- uh, not filled uh, till now. So uh, our curriculum encourages people not just look at these, but start uh, looking at other sources, right? Thanks to uh, many times uh, our program is that schools have started a school garden, for example or have decided to offer cooking classes, or decided to uh, put a workshop together and invite experts in different areas, um, or participate in contests that have to do with the planet, or org- organize, a, uh, organize an Earth Week event. So there's a lot of things that just one single program or one single presentation um, can do. It's that ripple effect, right, that we, that we love so much about education. And one of the important aspects about our program is that again? Throughout many studies, uh, what we've shown is that for every person that um, hears something from our program or understands uh, a presentation, they share it with fifteen other people, and
0: that's that's really the purpose of ed- education, right? That's exponential for sure, and especially in as you mentioned about organic food in your question, access isn't universal. Um, as you said, we have enough food to feed the whole planet, but that's not what's happening as we see in far too many communities, even in this country, in the United States, but certainly around the world, there is uh, malnutrition, starvation, and other horrors, Mm -hmm. um, that shouldn't be happening in 2024 for sure. Um, so that ripple effect is powerful. Um, well, we're coming up on time here. So I guess my, my only last question to Lorena, it has to do with, you know, the future, which is of course the topic on the future of XYZ. So when we think about the future of nutrition, and we look a little bit further out, um, what are your like top hopes? Like what what needs to be addressed, and 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 what what will the impact be? I love that question, uh, mainly
1: because uh, the purpose of our program is to educate as many people as possible as fast as possible, right? So mm-hmm. my hope for the next few years and beyond is that uh, this type of education becomes part of every community and every school. I think uh, the biggest question, um, the biggest feedback that we get from students and teachers alike is, how come I didn't know this before, right? It seems so obvious. Why are they teaching this? So I hope that more people become aware because when uh, there's awareness, uh, discussion uh, usually starts and discussion leads to progress. So that's my hope that this information gets in in as many uh,
0: hearts and and heads as possible, uh, as fast as possible. Lorena Muke, thank you so much for joining us this week on Future of XYZ. It was uh, a very educational conversation um, about a very, very important and I would argue probably fundamental topic to, to our survival as a species and planet. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
1: And I can't wait um, to have this conversation again with you and other people.
0: Um, Lorena, thank you very much. For everyone watching uh, or listening, make sure to leave us a five-star review. Uh, You can get this podcast anywhere you get your favorite podcast: Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and uh, many other platforms. You can also watch the video. Uh, at ripbs.org forward slash XYZ. That's our presenting partner, Rhode Island PBS's website. Um, follow us on Instagram at future of XYZ. Uh, And if you want to learn more or discuss anything about this topic, uh, make sure that you visit future-of.xyz. You can also visit ecprogram.org to download the free tools that Lorena has created uh, and and shared uh, around the world uh, free of charge as as a nonprofit. So thanks again, Lorena, for that. Everyone, we'll see you again in two weeks time for a special leap year edition of The Future of XYZ to discuss, as I had alluded to, the future of complexity. See you then.